Thank you. Okay, so I want to share with you something that I've learned from doing Sunday school. Um, it's one of the greatest uh, pleasures I have uh, being a member of River Church is to lead the older group of Sunday school uh, along with Gemma. And we've been looking at um, kind of emotions and d different aspects of our lives recently. And we've just finished this ser series. And we did a, a session on hurt a few weeks ago. And then last week I did one on encouragement. I think it was last week. Um, and it's just, it's really stuck with me and spoken with me. Um, so I just wanted to share some, some of those simple thoughts um, that we've talked about in, in uh, Sunday school. And I'm going to use two, two passages from the Bible. So the first one is 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, and it's verse 5 to 10. And um, it's Paul writing to the church at Corinth, and it's his second letter to them. The first one he wrote to them, and he was not very nice to them, telling them everything they were doing wrong. Um, but this is the letter he sent later on to them. So verses 5 to 10 of chapter 7. And it says, For when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn, conflict on the outside, fears within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did, not, uh, though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became for sorrowful as God intended us, and were not harmed in any way by us. And so, really, the, the whole the theme of is, is encouragement. Um, and when I was reading this over since doing Sunday school, I just realised that in in this letter, what Paul is really doing is encouraging them, um, and it's in, encouragement from a place where he's criticised them and um, told them they were doing things wrong. And it really spoke to me because one of the things I do alongside my PhD is teaching. And this, this year, is, this term has probably been the hardest teaching term I've had um, since starting teaching six years ago at university level. And I've got, I teach five tutorials of the same, same topic, the same material, five times over on the same day. And it is draining, to say the least. Um, trying to have the same amount of energy in your fifth class as you do in your first class, it's, it's tough. And add to that, the students that I have, they're, um, a lot of them are not from the UK. They're international students. And so the, the learning environment they've come from previously has been um, where they sit in a class, the teacher tells them what they need to know, and then they regurgitate that. Um, and my, my classes are very much, I turn up and I facilitate your learning. You've got to come prepared. You've got to come prepared. You've got to have done the, done the homework. Um, and they just really struggle with doing this. And so I've had to be, like Paul in his first letter to the Corinthians, very harsh with them, um, very criticizing them, saying, well, if you want to get this degree, if you want to get your master's degree, you're going to have to put in the work. I'm not going to do it. I've, I know this stuff. I, I don't need to learn this. I know it. Um, and some weeks I've had to be really harsh with them and kick them out of my class. 
because uh, they just haven't prepared. And I realized when I was do doing this Sunday school class, um, preparing for this and thinking about it, that actually some of the tutorials the following weeks, when they've come back and they've done the work, I haven't encouraged them, even when they've turned up prepared. And there's been a knock-on effect to their learning, a knock-on effect to, to the classroom, because attendance slowly drops. And in the classes, and there's a couple of classes where I didn't encourage the students when they came back and had done the homework the following week, and they've just not turned up again. And they're not, whereas the other groups who do turn up, who do prepare consistently, and I encourage them, and you know, we have really good discussions, and, I, and uh, I'm really positive about their, their learning, they turn up and they're engaged and they keep doing it. And it was a real message for me that even when we have, sometimes we have to be harsh. Sometimes in our lives we have to, we come into situations where we have to tell people they're doing things wrong or we have to stand up for something that's going wrong. But if things change, if they change way, do we then encourage them in that? Do we then say well done? Do we praise them? Um, because actually, if we do, we'll see a positive benefit. And here, Paul writes to them and says, well done for what you've done. And it really, it was an encouragement for the church of Corinth when they received this. Um, likewise, when the church changed their ways and went back, and Titus went back to Paul, it was a real encouragement for them. Um, a real encouragement to Paul that his letter had been positive. Um, so that, that's kind of the, the first point I want to raise. Like, sometimes we do need to be firm in our when we're talking to people, but are we encouraging once we see the benefits of that? Of that? If we're not encouraging, we will see potentially a negative impact. We'll see things not changing and potentially things, people going back to their old ways. The, the second point I, want, I, want, I really want to put across is kind of what happens when we do encourage? What happens when we make it consist, uh, consistency to encourage people? And for that, I want to use Acts chapter 4, verse 32 to 35. Okay, and it says, so, sorry, Acts chapter 4, verse 32 to 35. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. Far from, for, sorry, for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it to the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who needed them. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and bought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So what I really want to look at here is, is Barnabas and his character. So this is the first time Barnabas is mentioned in the Bible, obviously mentioned later on, but here the first thing we learn about Barnabas is his name, is his new name, Son of Encouragement, which tells us what? Well, it tells us that he's lived... In an encouraging life. He's been encouraging to other people. He didn't give himself the name encouragement, it was the, the apostles. So they saw in him encouragement. They saw that he was being encouraging and 
that obviously soaked through his personality and his character. And that's what he became known for. Um, and so, first point, are we encouraging? Do when people look at us, do they see encouragement? Do they see, are we giving that sense of encouragement? And in here, we're told of two ways that he encourages people. So firstly, there's through his words, and then secondly, through his actions. And I think it's crucial that when we encourage people, we don't just think about the way we encourage people verbally, but also our actions. Um, and I've really sensed encouragement from people in the church the last four weeks while Miriam's been away. <laughs> so while she was in Africa, I think I had invites out for dinner for most, place, most people. Um, but one, one that really encouraged me was a text message I got from Alice while I was away. I, I want to thank you for that, Alice. I never actually responded to it. But, <laughs> but it was a real encouragement because she, Alice, um, so my dad passed away six, six years ago. Um, and on the day, um, on the six year anniversary, I was working from home on my own, and I didn't see anyone that day. But Alice remembered, and she sent me a text message, and it just lifted my spirit that day. I was, it was actually probably the first year where I really felt upset about it. And just to get that message really encouraged me that day, so thank you. Um, but as, as a great example of how our actions in, can encourage others, um, and we can do it any age in any way. So another, another way I've been encouraged this week is from the Sunday school children. So what we had them do um, was we, I basically created pieces of paper and put all the Sunday school children in, in the group's names on the paper. And we passed it around. And we got each one to write words of encouragement down. And so when I was, actually this week when I was teaching in my class, one of my classes, it was a nightmare. And I, have, I keep this in my coat pocket. It was just, that's where I put it, and it just turned out to be the right place for it. Because I was having a nightmare class this week, and I just looked over in my pocket and saw this piece of paper. And on it, one of the children wrote, you're an amazing teacher. And so for that, it was just the right encouragement at the right time. Um, and so I encourage you. Can you be more encouraging in what you say or things you do to other people? It's certainly been the lesson for me over the last few weeks is to identify new ways of encouraging people.